Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great, honey. How are you? I am fabulous. So thank you so much. I want to say hello to everyone who will be listening. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to another edition of Lifestyle Designers. I am Shoshana Cuevas, your host. And I am your lifestyle designer. I have the privilege, and it really, really is a privilege, Aww. of helping to empower women to find their why, really uncover it, unleash it, and then create a bold, unapologetic life. And I love, love doing that. Today is epic. We have <laughs> such a fabulous lady. She really, really is and has such a story. <laughs> Um, and a journey, and I have to say, and I love her voice. Can I just say that? Uh, that's just the absolute truth. Love, love, love her voice, and I'll let her tell you a little bit more about that. But today we have the one and only Cherry Williams Miller. She's awesome, and I, I think we first met last year. Yes, ma'am, we did. And um, you know what? I, I just have to say, every time I get dressed, I think, okay, is she going to approve of this? Um, so she's in my head, and you'll totally understand what I mean when she talks a little about what she's been doing and what she's done. But I love the message that you send and um, the space that you're in because, yeah, uh, plus-size styling. Um, it sounds like an oxymoron, but it really shouldn't be. It really should be. It should not be. And since most women are over the size 14 mm -hmm. and that is often considered a plus size uh let me just stop right there because that's a whole other episode <laughs> but but so many women from really all across every socioeconomic um space you know unless you are you know a size six or eight yep. and you have a particular body shape you are very much neglected mm -hmm. And, um, and that, that, that creates a whole other dynamic. Um, and that starts often, you know, with our with little kids. Yes. It's a seven-year-old saying that I, I need to be on a diet or I'm fat or whatnot. And so I, I love the work that you're doing now to change the face of that space. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. You have this no is idea. awesome. This is awesome. So, so just to start off with, you are a classically trained opera singer. Yes, ma'am, I am. And um, I won't ask you to sing. I promise. I will uh, but blow out the speakers. If you if you want to, you are welcome to. So I will, I will blow if, out the speakers. <laughs> no. Um, so if you could share a little bit about how you transitioned um, or how you began to really incorporate um, your styling, mm -hmm. your, your stylist world with your singing world? Well, it began out of necessity, really. Um, I loved opera since I was a little girl, and I loved the fact that I could see these women in these glamorous, elaborate outfits, but it wasn't until I went to college for my first of two degrees in opera performance that I realized how much that imaging had an effect on me and how important it was the career I was pursuing. And I will never forget, we had this class, it was completely uh, dedicated to just performance. So you would literally come to class for an hour and a half 
it'd be nothing but people going on stage and singing and you would do that at least once or twice every week okay now i pictured this this class starting out with just people coming and singing for the first month of class so the first four to six classes we did nothing but walk on stage. We practice walking on stage, announcing our names, and they critiqued our image. That was it. And you would think that going to school for music, oh, you just sing. No, it was so intense because you were literally graded from the moment you walked on stage, not when you sang, but the confidence that you had before you sang. It, it spoke for you. And so once I realized, oh, I'm being critiqued even before I open my mouth, I begin to make the connections that we are always talking, we are always speaking, even when we aren't using words. Uh, we have so many different layers in our language. And even if you are coming into contact with someone who's speaking a different language, which in opera, you're singing one of probably one or six, one to six different languages at any given point, you have to be able to communicate in other ways and words. And that class opened my eyes to, oh, well, as soon as someone puts their eyes on me, my performance begins, that communication begins, the opportunity to say what I need to say begins. And then once you start getting into competitions, it started being that they would comment on how you walked into the room, which then I saw, oh, that's why we spent a month practicing how to walk into a room. because it matters. Uh, And then I begin to think, okay, well, how can I show the confidence? How can I be confident? And I thought it started when I opened my mouth where it came with wearing something flashy, but then what I wore and how I sing and who I was, wasn't quite meshing up. So I said, you know what? I gotta go back to the drawing board. I gotta be more authentic because I want when I open my mouth to sing, to be confirmation of what you first perceived when I walked into the room. And that began my relationship with style. So I researched and I made a lot of mistakes and I crashed and burned (laughs) and I looked a mess (laughs) at plenty of audition at plenty of school, but thank goodness it's before I really got into social media. So there's not that much proof of it. But it really began this relationship of understanding that even though the world is not full of performance like myself, you really are speaking to people before you open your mouth. And understanding that that seven second rule, like people have a first impression within seven seconds of seeing you, not even speaking to you, but seeing you. So I began to ask myself, what am I saying when people look at me, before I even open my mouth, is it lining up with what I want to say? And I found that it wasn't. And so I began to delve deeper into style and who I was and saying what I wanted to say with clothes um, that my words could just be confirmation of. So that when you talk to me um, after seeing me, it's like, oh, I get that you're confident. I get that you're bold. You might be a little quirky. That's fine. But I was anticipating that before you even opened your mouth. That is the power of style, being able to communicate exactly what you want, how you want to the people that you encounter in languages other than verbal. 
You have those emotive cues. You have that confidence. Confidence is a language all its own. And so once I delved deeper into that first degree and I got finished with that, I thought I had it figured out. Well, <laughs> then came the masters and it was an eye opener because when I thought I had it figured out, I realized I really didn't. It's like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> and so I begin to say, well, you know what? As I'm ever growing and changing, so does my style need to be. Because a strong sense of style starts with a strong sense of self. I say that all the time. Because I, I cannot, I cannot convince you of a reality that is not there i.e if i have to tell you i'm fabulous and you can't figure it out just by being around me and being near me is it really that fabulous <laughs> it's like you kind of have to check yourself a little bit it's like i should not have to tell you who i am you should already know before i open my mouth and that is possible with style so i went a second degree and I realized that it was fine tuning uh, the language that I was speaking and the fact that most of the time when I opened my mouth to sing I was not speaking in my native tongue I was either singing in Italian or French or my new favorite Russian um, so it, it, it began to be even more obvious to me that if I'm singing in front of people in a, a language that is not my own native tongue and they don't understand what I'm saying for the most part how can I communicate that how can I show them that I'm very assured and aware of what I'm doing and I'm speaking directly to them in this emotional vehicle of music how can I do that effectively well I began to make such impact that people began asking me where did you get the clo these clothes from? Or how are you so confident? so confident if being a plus size woman meant I should not have the audacity to be as confident as I was? But that is a different broadcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, I, I really do love your expression that, you know, confidence and style are, are really intertwined. Yeah. Um, and that speaks to the, the adage that, you know, your appearance, your style is your visual resume. Yeah. You know, we're, so we're so accustomed to presenting a piece of paper to a prospective employer or a contractor with a summary of who we are and what we do. And, and that leads into a conversation about what value we can add to the equation. But how you appear to others um, is really your visual resume. So even before they get to the point where they actually want to read anything about you, they have to like what they see. Yes, that, that just speaks to who we are as people. That that's not uh, that's not a value proposition about whether someone is is attractive, pretty, you know, whatnot. Again, that's a whole other episode. But it, it really is just you know we are visual people, and how you present yourself is so so very important. And then you you mentioned that you know people saw really your transformation on stage yes uh, and they saw your confidence and then began to ask well how can I get that and and that's a little bit of a, a, a window into the presumption that if you look a different way mm -hmm. that you ought not to be confident yes how, how dare you <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yeah. you have nerve exactly you know, <laughs> how dare you wear yellow you know, yeah. you're supposed to wear black mm -hmm. all the time. 
you know, and it should be an A-line skirt yep. all the time, right? Um, so how, I mean, how transformative was that moment when, to you, when you realize that, that there might be a huge or a tremendous need for what you've done for yourself, and how did that begin to transform the lives of your clients? It began um, when I started being asked by other plus size ladies who were also singers, performers, <laughs> in some extent, um, how, where did I find my clothes and how could they find those clothes because there aren't any clothes around. And being a plus size little diva in training all of my life, <laughs> I knew very quickly that as soon as the internet was the internet, that that's where I needed to go because I came from small town America and you may have a Walmart or a JC Penney if you're lucky or a Kato's or, um, or Catherine's, or if you're really, really lucky in the past 20 years, you had a Torrid or you had a Lane Bryant or Ashley Stewart. But I do remember a time before all of those things where the only place that I could shop was a JCPenney. So I knew very quickly that I had to search online to find the sources. And I'm, I'm so big on research and having a strong Google ministry. <laughs> I really <laughs> So I searched and I started to find things for other people and they were thinking, oh my goodness, I never knew this existed. And I'm just thinking, oh, just another place that I found, not realizing that there are so many women out there who have been conditioned to think that because they are plus size, because they occupy more physical space, that they should A, settle and B, apologize for taking up as much space as they do. And it's almost like they want you to perform in a certain way for them, not even perform as far are singing i'm just talking about if i occupy a larger space one they think that i'm supposed to apologize in some way for occupying this larger space and that two i'm only supposed to wear black i can't wear too many prints i can't go into color because that would draw too much attention to my body and and god forbid that i draw even more attention than i'm getting for occupying this space like you said the audacity the nerve like you have the <laughs> nerve to be confident and it struck people so strongly because here I was as a little chunky chocolate girl walking on stage like it was the runway and I was Tyra Banks eating it up and singing the house down and they were thinking where did she come from I I don't understand and <laughs> when you grow in confidence you see two shifts happen in people one of two things you either people are dumbfounded and want to know what's your secret as if there's a secret to being a large woman and being happy or they are offended by it like how dare you and then the comment um but when those people started to come to me asking me where these things were located i began to find more and more answers for them and then it began to overshadow even my singing uh gigs and i was thinking okay <laughs> Maybe there's something to this. And then I remember having a particular competition where I competed in a competition and I said, you know what? I'm just going to go all out there. I'm going to do something that's totally me as far as the dress is concerned. And I'm going to go and sing 
my lungs out. And before I got on stage, one of the judges came to me and she was struck by what I was wearing. She's like, it is drop dead gorgeous. It's so complimentary to your skin and your shape. And you're just so beautiful. I did not know that it was one of the judges. So, you know me, I just, well, hi, honey. And I struck up a conversation, not knowing that my training, my understanding of my performance and what I was saying began with what I wore really started to make room for me and my gifts because of that first impression that that judge got. It allowed me to go to Chicago to get a, another degree that I pursued. I pursued a third degree for absolutely free, completely paid for because of that dress. It opened up the conversation and put me on the map, not only to get a third degree, but to get my husband, his master's for free, essentially. And it was all because of, of a simple dress that struck a chord with somebody because it was so authentically me that it couldn't be denied. And that is when it became the turning point for me of, okay, I have something here and this has done something major in my life that I didn't realize it could do, even though I've been doing this for a while. And I begin to do it for other people. And I began to shift from music to style because I saw that I could make an impact both ways, but I began to be more passionate about allowing women to allow themselves to love themselves again. Sometimes a lot of women that I come across just simply think that they need permission to be themselves. And so one by one, I begin to tell my singer friends, yes, you're a size 22. Yes, you're a size 28. You're a size 30. You're a size 18. You're still beautiful without giving a disclaimer where I'm working on losing weight. Even if you don't lose an ounce, you're still beautiful. Even if you don't change anything else about you you are still valuable and worthy of adorning your body because it's beautiful with clothes that you like not all this black that isn't flattering to you or dressing in these moo-moos because you feel like i don't want to bring any more attention the attention that you think you're ignoring or you're swatting away you're not and i say if they're gonna stare they might as, well, might as well stare at something that you like to wear anyway. Why would I want to wear clothes that someone else likes for me? I don't think so. <laughs> I love it because clothing really, it's so much more than just fabric. Yeah. Um, you can tell, and, and we've all had those moments when we wear something and it's, it's not quite the right fit. Whether, you know, the buttons are, are on the verge of popping out or the skirt's a little too tight mm -hmm. or you wear a pair of shoes that looked really good on the rack. They felt great in the store, but you get them home and you're like, Oh my God, these really don't quite fit. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I think we, we all know from a personal experience, the power that clothing can have. Yeah. And when we think we're hiding, we're really not, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter whether you choose to, cover yourself up in three yards of you know black fabric hello yeah still there. <laughs> it's not going to change anything um and and I remember just on a on a personal note I probably had a rant oh I don't know earlier this year sometime last year I'd gone into a store that will remain nameless <clears> and <throat> I was just so ticked off because there was nothing cute that I wanted to wear in my size, except for floral prints. And I'm like, no, 
Yeah. Floral's not my gig. I don't want to wear petunias. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I just don't. You know, why can't I find, you know, a cute color block dress? Or why can't I find, um, and, and that was really very much, you know, I, I think the sentiment of what many buyers in retail establishments think that, well, flowers are pretty and they're attractive and they take attention away from no, they don't. They're not, not for everyone. So, you know, clothing is, um, it's not a one size fits all. Not you at talk all. About, you really do talk a lot about knowing your measurements, which is so very true because clothing sizes are not standardized. Mm-hmm. And so often I'm fixated on the number. I am a size 12, 22, 30, 28, when really the focus should be on the actual measurement, because it doesn't matter what the size tag is. Yes. The question is, does it fit, and does it fit to your body? Um, and that's so true. Yeah, I think part of it comes from the fact that we are so conditioned to thinking of once, if I'm one size in my favorite store, my favorite pair of jeans, and it works everywhere else. And just like you said, there's no standardized sizing system. And I would rather have a size range, which is what I recommend for all women, a size range of two to three sizes that you usually fall in so that when you go into that dressing room, you're not frustrated or crying thinking you've gained weight or your weight has moved to a different area. It is not you. It is the clothes. It literally is the clothes because no one cuts their clothing the same way. It doesn't happen. And thinking about, I would rather have a size 26 in my pants, knowing that I don't usually wear anywhere close to that and it fits impeccably than trying to squeeze into my usual size 18 or 20 and feeling uncomfortable and self-conscious all day. It's not about some vanity metric of what ta- what the number is on that tag. It's about what best, best fits you and what best suits your personality. So going into the dressing room or when you're shopping online and you see nothing but florals from a store, don't settle. Walk away from it. There's hundreds and hundreds hundreds of stores for plus size ladies out there that all you have to do is know where to look or know somebody who does know where to look i.e me (laughs) who can tell you exactly where to find it and so many women settle for those floral prints or they settle for those same three shirts every season in an olive green and a black and in a dark blue where is the color where are the other prints i love polka dots why aren't there more polka dots and plus size i love stripes why aren't there more stripes it's about demanding that stuff from the from the places that you normally shop and if they don't provide that for you walk away set a standard not only for them but for yourself you are worthy of wearing nothing but the best and what clothing has to offer you and that may look different from person to person somebody may like the betsy johnson aesthetic some person may like the coco chanel aesthetic one alexander mcqueen it depends on your personality but the thing that runs true through all three or four of those designers that i named that they have a distinct point of view 
And the distinct point of view is something that you, when you see it, you can't deny it. It's like, hey, even if that's not your style, you appreciate it for what it is. Like, I love the Betsy Johnson aesthetic. It's not my aesthetic. I wouldn't walk around all day looking like Betsy Johnson. That's just not me. But do I love a Betsy Johnson piece every time I see it? Yes, I do. Because it's so authentically her. And once you go into the authenticity of who you are and how to translate that to clothing, then you begin to worry less and less about what that tag says and worry more and more about, do these clothes fit the standard that is ne- that needs to be met in order to be on my body? Because my body is amazing and nothing subpar will do. So if it's a bunch of floral prints, I'm going to walk away. If it's not representing the parts of me that I want it to represent, I'm going to walk away. Setting that standard, not only initially, but sticking to it is key. And that's really the confidence that you speak about. Yes, Um, ma'am. It is. It's knowing what what is for you and what is not for you. Mm. Uh, And then really having the courage to, to step away because so many outlets are telling us you should dress a certain way you should look a certain way this is for you and and it it speaks to more of a almost a mob mentality if this is <laughs> yeah. what's out there, therefore this is what's fashionable therefore this is what I should like even if it is you know a lotus flower beautiful as it is <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you right now I'm not putting that anywhere on my body yeah. thank you so much and that's real. I think that that's the that's the point that I think a lot of women are are being more brave about coming to that point because it's realizing I can say no and it'd be okay. There is a power in no. There is a power in no period with no explanation. Like there is a no power in that. <laughs> it really is. So tell me something. You know, along it, it it's been an amazing and continues to be really an amazing journey for you. So what's, what's been the most surprising part about all of this for you? Uh, I, I would have to say it's two things. One, that helping women in this capacity comes naturally to me in a way that I didn't think it would. Because my whole life has been about one of two things. I'm either singing or I'm cooking. And those have been the only passions. And those are the only things that I thought I'd be good at. And naturally, being a giver has shown up in all of the things that I'm good at. When you are singing opera, you have to be naturally good at just giving all of this emotion. At cooking, giving your heart and soul and and right seasonings. And to helping women with the style thing. I am transparent with every woman that I work with about... I don't about not having it figured out and I'm not asking for perfection from anybody. Um, and I think that leads into the second thing that's most shocking is how many women strive towards perfection as if that should be the standard or the calling card. And it's part of the reason why I named, um, my styling business, Emerald Girl Chronicles, because of the concept of perfection and authenticity. It was shocking and and heartbreaking 
to encounter so many women who felt like because they didn't look a certain way and even plus size women, even us having as much more visibility now than we have had since I have been alive. And there's still being this kind of mob mentality of if you're not an hourglass shape and look like Ashley Graham, where you're acceptably fat, then you aren't worthy of being visible as a plus size woman. And although I feel things like the body positivity movement is a great thing in certain aspects. It still has this undercurrent of almost, you have to be the perfect type of plus size woman and the perfect type of body for it to be positive. And it breaks my heart. And that's one of the other shocking parts of how many women, even though they have accepted that they're plus size, still want this perfect plus size shape and, and having to let them know it's okay you don't have to be shaped like Ashley Graham to be beautiful. You don't have to have a flat stomach or be acceptably fat. It is not perfection that you're going for. It is authenticity. And instead of being perfect like the diamond and the diamond mentality of the clearer you are, the shinier you are, the more perfect you are, the more valuable you are, going toward the emerald mentality of emeralds in their, at their very nature, at the very basis of who they are, because you can look it up, the characteristic of an emerald they are flawed by the very nature they're supposed to have an inclusion they're supposed to have a flaw in it we are the same way we're naturally flawed but what makes the emerald valuable and beautiful is the intensity and authenticity of that green hue and that's where i want to kind of spin that focus for so many plus-size women because it is very shocking that i talk to women who even though I I keep the conversations between the two of us. The women still apologize. Like, I'm a size 24, but, you know, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to get down to a size 18. Well, I'm, well, I tell them, well, until we meet your future self, I would like to speak to the present self here and tell her that she's still beautiful. Even if six months from now, she's still a size 24. You don't have to have a flat tummy. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have this particular type of body to feel loved and appreciated. So I say those are, that. that's the main thing that is shocking to me, how we still are, are aiming for perfection instead of authenticity. I love that intensity and authenticity and that, that speaks to really who you are. Yeah. And to not, to not apologize for the space that you occupy, whatever space that is. And if others don't love it, that's on them. That's not a reflection <laughs> of you. Yeah. And, and until now, the paradigm has been, if others don't like it, then you have to change. No, no, sweetie, I'm not changing. <laughs> They need, they, they need to get on board. And if not, that's okay. But I'm, I'm going to be me. So I, I, I so love the, the message and the theme of, you know, be authentically you. And your people, whoever they are, your people will find you. Yes. But be authentically you. Um, because there's nothing worse than wearing an uncomfortable pair of shoes. We all know we shouldn't be wearing them. <laughs> and, and to wear that uncomfortable sense of self yeah we can tell you know we can absolutely tell and it shows up in so so many different ways so I, I love that message so I have loved this interview because I I could listen to you all day uh -huh. and I really love, 
I really do love the work that you're doing. It's powerful and it is transformational. And I know that there are so many more women out there who will find you um, because they resonate with what you're doing. But I just wanted to ask you um, three really more fun questions. All there right. are no right or wrong right. answers. Um, so the first one is room, desk, or car. Which one would you clean first? Uh, desk. <laughs> it's always fun. It's always funny to hear the different answers that people think about it. And I'm like, I promise you, there's no right answer. There's no right answer. Um, so, what's next for you? Oh, that's a great. That's a great question. There are a few different things that I am cooking up. First, um, I am working on launching next year my own accessory boutique. And the focus will be on earrings. Um, and I'm playing around with like bangles or bracelets. Um, but I definitely want earrings. And it's going to be called Petit Bijou, which is French for little gems or little jewels. You know, I had to keep with the gem theme. <laughs> I, I hear it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and so I... The concept behind it was, you know, as as I've been I've been styling for a few years now, and sometimes it's hard for women to come out of their shell, and sometimes they just aren't as comfortable just jumping right on in and cleaning out that closet or capturing a a, a capsule wardrobe and things of that nature. But I always seem to break through with a great pair of earrings or a great pair of shoes. <laughs> So it is just presented so that every woman, no matter where she is on her journey, can always feel that it's beautiful. And I've been working on it for the past couple of months, and I want to launch it next year. Fingers crossed, um, because it's going to be like the, the actual boutique experience like the boutiques in uh, London in the 60s and 70s where just like these hand-picked pieces that are very unique. Um, uh, earrings are going to be bold. Um, but if, you, if you're if you a simple diva, I have something, I will have some things for you. But it's really about adding that just extra touch. So even if you're in jeans and a blouse or jeans and a t-shirt, you still can look very pulled together with the pieces I curate. So that's the first thing. Um, that I'm wrapping up and working on towards the end of this year, early next year. Um, next, I am going to roll out. It's very nerve wracking for me to say this, and I'm being recorded, but that's okay. I just got to put drum roll, out. drum roll. <laughs> but I am going to start my style boot camps, and um, they're going to be about six to eight weeks of us just building the basics of an impeccable um, personal style, um, because so many people are walking around wanting to dress better and feel better about themselves, but they don't know where to start. So we're going to do everything from getting that style profile to curating your own personal style, to going through your closet and picking out what works and doesn't work, um, to knowing your measurements and your body type and curating like a 15 to 30 piece wardrobe um, based on your body type that best serves you. 
Also, we're going to talk about that confidence and kind of get into the nuts and bolts of everything because you can wear the clothes that you've always dreamed of every day for the next month. But if you don't have that confidence as a face, you're still not going to feel whole. So we get down in there. And it's going to be rough sometimes. I'm I'm never going to be mean. We're going to ask some very straightforward questions that may make you feel uncomfortable. Like, when is the last time you looked at yourself and said, you're beautiful or I love you? What do you do for self-care? Like, we're going to go there. So it's going to be a style boot camp. I want to roll that out within the next month or two. So just look out for that. And the third thing, I know I'm doing a lot. That's just normally me. I like being- I love it. Awesome. <laughs> the third thing is I'm really focusing on um, style and imaging. So like pretty much branding with um, styling as a vehicle for creatives and entrepreneurs. This is my passion. It really is. And there are so many entrepreneurs and there are so many business owners um, and boss ladies of the world who really are wanting to make an impact. And they have beautiful ministries and gifts that they want to share with the world. They just want to uh, polish up. And so I'm going to offer services exclusively for them um, in the vein of what it means to be a branded business. It's not just a logo. It's not just a website. It's not just an LLC. You are your business. You're the walking billboard. McDonald's has the golden arches. Coca-Cola has the red and the polar bears at Christmas. You have you as your billboard and your logo. So what are you saying? We're going to constantly, if there's nothing else the listeners take away from this is you are a walking billboard for you. What are you saying? What are you putting out? What message are you putting out? If you don't know what that is, ask yourself this question. How would I define my personality in three to five words? And there's your style. Pick a piece that's quirky one day. Style an outfit around that. We're going to delve into stuff like that, specifically for creatives, entrepreneurs, and business owners, so that you can walk into a room, that conference, uh, to a client meeting, and know that without a shadow of a doubt, you are branded down to your toes. (laughs) And that you make it. I love it. So, yeah. That's exciting. I know. <laughs> that is so flipping exciting. I love it. Thank you. Ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll 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 contain myself. I'll contain myself. But everybody listening, you need to watch out for that because that's going to be so unbelievably epic. It's just, yes, it's so, Im- mm, oh, that's so good. Okay. I'm going to contain myself. <laughs> so my final, my final question is, what advice would you give your 16-year-old self? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> First, I would hug her and tell her to calm down. It's really going to be okay. And that sometimes your dream and your destiny are going to look different. And that as long as you are open to that difference, the transition will be bearable. It won't be smooth, but it will be bearable. I think what I would also tell her is you're on the right track. Um, That the next 10 years are going to be the hardest of your short life, but 
you'll get through to the other side and you have to go through it in order to learn. And then I would hug her again and tell her to go watch some Golden Girls. (laughs) I think that's what I would tell her. Wow. Thank you. No problem. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone listening. I so appreciate your time. Tune in again next time. I will have another fabulously wonderful, fierce, fierce guest speaker, and you'll hear another story about how someone has designed the life she wants to live and is living that boldly and unapologetically. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.